And like Brother Maladoma, indeed, he was born in a family of healers and raised in a rural medical village by a Karandero, which means healer. And that was his mother. As well as a Nagual, which is translated as being a shaman, which was his grandfather. The family anticipated that Miguel would embrace their centuries-old legacy of healing and teaching and carry forward the esoteric Taltec knowledge. But instead, distracted by modern life, Miguel chose to attend medical school and become a surgeon. A near-death experience, however, changed his life. And late one night in the early 1970s, he awoke suddenly having fallen asleep at the wheel of his car. And at that instant, the car careened into a wall of concrete. And Don Miguel remembered that he was not in his physical body as, as he pulled his two friends to safety. Stunned by this experience, he began an intensive practice of self-entry. He devoted himself to the mastery of the ancient wisdom, studying earnestly with his mother and completing an apprenticeship with a powerful shaman in the Mexican desert. His grandfather, who had since passed on, continued to teach him in his dreams. And in the tradition of the Taltec, a Nagal guides an individual, an individual to personal freedom. And Don Miguel Ruiz, a Nagal from the Eagle Knight lineage, had dedicated his life to sharing the wisdom of the ancient Taltec. In the Four Agreements, Don Miguel reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering based on ancient Toltec wisdom. The four agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. And as I mentioned a few months ago, I interviewed Dr. Maladoma Somme on my, uh, my show. That was in October the 23rd of 2010. And at that time, he talked about the healing attributes of the African drum and its relationship with our ancestors and our family and collective community. I would like to suggest that you log into that show on my Blog Talk Radio site and click on the archives to listen to that segment when you get a chance. I mentioned earlier also about a new program a couple of months ago that has been going on and it's growing rapidly, I'm very pleased to say. The name of the program is called the One Billion Drumming for Peace Group Network. That's B like in billion. It came to me from spirit that every family within the African diaspora all over the world, that all the communities that are committed to healing and reconnecting to our African roots should have an African drum in the home. And the goal is to have at least one million homes with drums by the end of the year of 2011. And to have this grow exponentially each following year until it reaches a total of one billion, it is my hope and prayer that this will happen during my lifetime. And I would like to invite you to join the Facebook site by going to www.drumsoffreedom.com. Again, that's drumsoffreedom.com. And at that site, you can join the uh, one billion drummers for Peace Group Network. I must also add that if you're interested in purchasing an African drum just in time, uh, well, actually, we're in uh, the 12th day of the month of black history, and of course, I, I deem that we should be celebrating our history throughout the year. 
365 days. But I'd like you to feel free to go to my website. That's Drums of Change, Drums of Spirit dot com, or simply go to Drums of Change dot com, and you can purchase a uh, a drum for your child or children, and uh, for your significant other, or for any member of the family who you deem would be uh, interested in owning a drum. Also, who you would like to designate as a, uh, as a family drummer for any special event that occurs within your community. And as I mentioned, you'll be able to purchase a drum via my association. I'm an, uh, an associate partner with Amazon. And with some drums, you pick up as low, actually a price as low as $15 some of them including shipping and handling. And I call these drums starter drums, which make a perfect gift for young youngsters, including toddlers. Uh, they have drums as tall as maybe uh, nine inches, you know, and the circumference of their head can be about six inches. So any baby, as a matter of fact, that's one of the rituals and, and the habits that uh, uh, most African villages, especially from West Africa where the drums are made primarily, where the first toy that is given to a child by their mother is a drum. So there's a connection with that child almost immediately soon after it's born because when it's inside the mother's womb, what is it here but the mother's heartbeat? That's the first rhythm that it is aware of, even before it's born. So there's something to say about the significance of the drum and how we have this in innate you know, uh, attraction to the beat of the drum from a spiritual perspective, from an emotional, from an intellectual perspective. So, uh, again, the name of that site is drumsofchange.com, and you can purchase. We have links for this regular drums for adults, and then there's a children's link specifically geared for children. And, and the price ranges, which are very, very affordable. Um, and the drums take about, I would say, less than a week for them to be shipped to, to you, depending on what location of the United States you live in, or indeed around the world. I also have on the front of my website, uh, there's a dedication to Baba Alatunji, who was responsible for my initial interest in uh, playing the drums back in the late 50s, when he came out with the album, Drums of Passion. Matter of fact, they gave me the idea of well, coming up with my website name, which is Drums of Change, Drums of Spirit. And then uh, I have another link for the same site, which is just simply Drums of Change. So I was inspired by that, by Drums of Passion, which is the title of the famous uh, worldwide, world-renowned bestseller album by uh, the master, Baba Alatunji. Uh, I was about to say also that on the front page of my site, there's a YouTube link which has me uh, just uh, actually performing at Washington and at President Obama's inauguration just before he was sworn in and just after he was sworn in at the Washington Monument. So I think you'll find that interesting. Um, I came to Washington with a group of activists and uh, uh, family members from Jersey and uh, at the end of the video, I explain why I was motivated to come to Washington to perform in honor of, of the ancestors primarily and, of course, the uh, election of Obama as our first African-American president. So, uh, indeed, this show is dedicated to uh, the book 
the four agreements. And I invite you to call in for any comments that you might have about the book and any general uh, comments regarding books that relate to the theme of this book. And by the way, you can purchase the book at my website here at, uh, uh, on my blog talk site. There's a link. As a matter of fact, at the front page is a picture of the book. You just click on the book, and that will take you to a uh, very secure uh, uh, connectivity of you being able to purchase that book. Uh, some of them are priced even below 50% of their retail value. So uh, feel free to go there and, and purchase the book as well. I'd like you to share with us on chat. You can call in uh, on our number. And uh, feel free to give us a call, and, and you can share some uh, thoughts with us, or you can go in the chat room and, and dialogue about the book, if you will. Uh, later on in the show, I will be talking about things in terms of health. And, of course, as I always say, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not here to give any medical advice in any way, but what I do share is what personally works for me and my family. And I hope that you, too, will find some benefit. And as with all things, of course, uh, please check with a licensed medical professional before embarking on any changes in your health routine. And uh, at this point, I'll take a short break. And when I return, I will begin reading from the four agreements. The chat room is open, so please feel free to enter and interact with each other. And for those of you who are listening on the Internet um, and you'd like to call in, uh, the number is 323-927-1412. And if you wish to speak with us, please remove your headsets and stand away from the computer, the modem, as well as uh, uh, any other electrical apparatus to avoid any feedback. I'll be back, right back with you soon. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get back to you, okay? You're very kind. You're welcome. 
Hope you enjoy. So, uh, yes, indeed, we're actually at the end. This is the sixth chapter, and it's titled Breaking Old Agreements. Everyone talks about freedom all around the world. Different people, different races, different countries are fighting for freedom. But what is freedom? In America, we speak of living in a free country. But are we really free? Are we free to be who we really are? The answer is no. We are not free. True freedom has to do with the human spirit. It is the freedom to be who we really are. Who stops us from being free? We blame the government. We blame the weather. We blame our parents. We blame religion. We blame God. Who really stops us from being free? We stop ourselves. What does it really mean to be free? Sometimes we get married and we say that we lose our freedom. Then we get divorced and we are still not free. What stops us? Why can't we be ourselves? Well, we have memories of long, long ago when we used to be free and we loved being free, but we have forgotten what freedom really means. If we see a child who is two or three, perhaps four years old, we find a free human. Who is this human free? Because this human does whatever he or she wants to do. This human is completely wild, just like a flower, a tree, or an animal that has been domesticated, wild. And if an animal that has not been domesticated, rather, it's totally wild. And if we observe humans who are two years old, we find that most of the time these humans have a big smile on their face and they're having fun. They're exploring the world. They are not afraid to play. They are afraid when they are hurt, when they are hungry, when some of their needs are not met. But they don't worry about the past and don't care about the future and only live in the present moment. Very one. Very young children are not afraid to express what they feel. They are so loving that if they perceive love, they melt into love. If they are afraid to love at all, and they are not afraid to love at all. This is the description of a normal human being. As children, we are not afraid of the future or ashamed of the past. Our normal human tendency is to enjoy life, to play, to explore, to be happy, and to love. But what has happened with the adult human? Why are we so different? Why are we not wild? From the point of view of the victim, we can say that something has happened to us. And from the point of view of the warrior, we can say that what happened to us is normal. What What has happened is that we have the book of law, the big judge, and the victim who rule our lives. We are no longer free because the judge, the victim, and the belief systems don't allow us to be who we really are. Once our minds have been programmed with all that garbage, we are no longer happy. In this chain of training from human to human, from generation to generation, is perfectly normal in human society. We 
don't need to blame your parents for teaching you to be like them. And what else could they teach you but what they know? They did the best they could. And if they abused you, it was due to their own domestication, their own fears, their own beliefs. They had no control over the programming they received, so they couldn't have behaved any differently. There is no need to blame your parents or anyone who abused you in your life, including yourself. But it is time to stop the abuse. It is time to free yourself of the tyranny of the judge by changing the foundations of your own agreements. It is time to free, to become free from the role of the victim. Well, this gives me a, a perfect opportunity to segue and just to share with you that I have my lovely wife with me, Spirit Change, as my co-host. And... Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, she's had in recent shows uh, uh, the the opportunity to have guests on authors who spoke about abuse, uh, spousal abuse, and and uh, of course within that abuse, there's certain elements of being uh, uh, of embracing the role of being the victim or the one who's victimizing the person who's abusing. So there's a whole conversation that one can have about this piece about uh, uh, agreements that we make with ourselves and with our significant others, even our children and parents and siblings. Uh, it's very interesting. So as you heard uh, earlier, uh, we were t I was talking to one of our guests who's on the phone, actually, who's very interested in your show tomorrow morning. Yes, I'm grateful. And, blessings. <laughs> Peace and blessings. I think his name is Steve. Is yes, name. hello, Steve. Peace and blessings to you. Yes, yeah, so uh, it's just interesting how these, these uh, I guess it's based on the law of attraction, as it were. You know, thoughts become things. As I'm reading from one book, which is actually closely related to the theme of conversation you have with your previous uh, shows. Not into you know not too far in the past, and uh, as uh, Charmin uh, Ruiz talks about change, making this change first of all I guess with ourselves, not blaming ourselves, not blaming our parents, we can just stop like a child deals with the moment, the present moment, not dealing with the past, not dealing with the future, but at the present moment and being happy. Well, we lost that ability, or I shouldn't say we lost it. Nothing's ever lost. Mm -hmm. But that ability to live in the moment and to love everyone got pushed to the side as we matured because now we're in the quote-unquote real world. Mm -hmm. We have jobs. We have businesses. Okay, we're faced with all of the social conditions, many of which, you know, most of us can agree we can do without. But nevertheless, they're realities. Yes. And that's where, I mean, we would be, we would be so trampled over if we interacted as though we were children. Matter of fact, I was telling you a story about something that happened at my place of employment where mm -hmm. I had to intervene for one of my coworkers, and I mentioned to you she, she's innocent. She's like a child, but she's not. She's a grown woman, but fortunately, or you could say unfortunately, depending on where you sit, but fortunately for her, she has retained somehow in her 30s 
the ability to just be focused on her job, to love everyone, to be unpretentious. Mm -hmm. And she always says to me, and you know, I try to be kind to her because I don't want to like jolt her out of reality, out of her reality, because it's a beautiful one that she's living in, mm -hmm. but it's not practical for where we work. Absolutely. And she's always saying to me, "Why is it that that this person doesn't like me, or why is it that you know that the supervisor is doing you know whatever the supervisor is doing without calling names or you know revealing anybody's identity? That wouldn't be too good, right. but uh, especially for me, right? But uh, <laughs> but the thing is, it is." She has somehow managed to retain that innocence and that love. Mm. And that's why I say fortunately for her, but also unfortunately for her. Mm. Because people that are totally engrossed in that reality without being able to separate, I'm in a hostile environment right now. I can't be this way while I'm here. Mm. And that's basically what I try to explain to her when I talk with her. And I'm always telling her, I think you're a wonderful person but don't ever change, but you just need to recognize we work in a hostile environment. So you can't, you can't let yourself be open the way you are because that is the reason people are taking advantage of you and doing the things they're doing to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting that you should say that and as far as it tying into people being abused. Mm -hmm. So I guess the thing is, is to be able to develop the technique to acquire the talent of keeping the child within your heart, within the essence of who you are, and it's in the in the background, but in the foreground, having that warrior aspect accessible whenever needed, especially depending on the terrain which you're in, such as on the workforce. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's letting that light, letting that child-like Light. Mm -hmm. Children are just angels. They're being beings of light. Yes. Okay. They're, they're, they're just light, pure light. Okay. And uh, it's allowing that to emanate from you, but at the same time, having the countenance where people realize, I might be full of light and love, but by the same token. I'm a spiritual warrior, and I'm a healer. Hmm. Spiritual warriors are healers. Yes. Okay, and, you, and you know, we're, we're aware of the concept that sometimes the healing is in death. Mm -hmm. and, I don't, and, and sometimes mm -hmm. it is physical death. Sometimes, sometimes the condition goes so far mm -hmm. that physically, you know, sometimes the healing is in the person's transition. Mm -hmm. But you can also use that metaphorically or figuratively. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the healing is in exhibiting that tough love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have the parent, especially the, the mother who's with the baby. She's able to connect with that baby, with that toddler, with the cuckoo and the gentleness and the playfulness and whatnot. But at a moment's notice, that child can be protected where the mother would give its life to protect that child from being harmed. Absolutely. Okay. So there's the softness there, but don't be fooled by that softness. Because in, in, in a fraction of a second, that mother can become so hardened as a warrior to do what is necessary to protect the safety of that child. Absolutely. And it begins with self, because we're talking about protecting a child. Um, many of us can be martyrs and we forget to protect our 
know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to impress upon my coworker. Uh-huh. Okay, because we do work in a social work environment, but that doesn't mean that you should allow people to beat up on you and mistreat you just because you're in a an environment of helping others. Mm-hmm. In helping others, you don't allow them to, you know, to beat you down. Otherwise, then what good are you? Now you're beaten down. You can't help them. So uh, that's kind of like defeating the purpose yes. of what you're doing. So and um, and I'm sure that that over time, she'll get it. Mm-hmm. She'll get it, and hopefully she will be able to retain that that love and that innocence and that. The world is a wonderful place. What's wrong with everyone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. why can't people just be happy? You know, she she says things like that to me. Why can't everyone just be happy? Mm-hmm. And uh, so so again, we're talking about the innocence and the childlike, the childlike demeanor. Mm-hmm. That there are some very special few people on this earth who still carry that with them, mm-hmm. and it, it's admirable, and they are to be protected. Absolutely. They are to be protected. Well, I must say that your co is very fortunate to have you in her life, in her professional life, because uh, we all need uh, a mentor, uh, someone, uh, a guide, as it were, to show us, you know, how to uh, traverse those um, bumpy roads in the journey of our life as we grow. And it's necessary. Like you say, it's, it's, the death is necessary from a rhetorical perspective. So she's learning how to uh, uh, let those childish ways and that innocence that, you know, leaves her life, at least temporarily, when needed. At least, and that's the thing, at least temporarily, because uh, not for nothing, Mm -hmm. I'm blessed to have her in my life Mm -hmm. Because, as you know, I can be totally focused on tasks, mm-hmm. relentlessly. Yes. And she reminds me, her presence reminds me, lighten up at the end of the day, leave yes. it here. Well, so I'm fortunate to have her, so I don't turn into these, into one of these, you know, just totally focused workaholics, won't, won't mm-hmm. look up for a moment mm-hmm. to smell the roses. She reminds me to do that during the day because of her presence. So, again, we're talking about yeah. balance. So don't take yourself too, too seriously. All don't time. take the work too seriously. Don't take the work too seriously. You have to have, you yeah. have to have fun, and you have to be yourself. You have and, to. And that fun uh, has to be fun that's healthy, a healthy fun. Because there's so many of us who have fun, but we have, you know, and my, the name of my show is Grassroots Holistic Health. And those of us within the grassroots uh, community tend to uh, supplement, supplement rather, their stress and the tension that they have in their life, especially professionally, with having fun, which might not be as healthy in terms of uh, uh, eating the wrong food, and overeating, and drugs and alcohol and so forth, related to sex, and on and on. So, yeah, that's, those are some thoughts that I wanted to just touch upon. Sure. Very interesting. Very, it is very interesting. interesting. I, I love this book, The Four Agreements. Isn't it great? Yes, so I'm going to continue from where I left off. Uh, I ended by saying that there is no need to blame your parents or anyone who has abused you in your life, including yourself. 
But it is time to stop the abuse. It is time to free yourself of the tyranny of the judge by changing the foundations of your own agreements. It is time to be free from the role of victim. The real you is still a little child who never grew up. And sometimes that little child comes out when you are having fun or playing, when you feel happy, when you are painting or writing poetry or playing the piano or expressing yourself in some way. These are the happiest moments of your life, when the real you comes out, when you don't care about the past and you don't worry about the future. You're childlike. But there is something that changes all of that. We call them responsibilities. The judge says, wait a second, you are responsible. You have things to do. You have to work. You have to go to school. You have to earn a living. All these responsibilities come to mind. Our face changes and becomes serious again. If you watch children when they are playing adults, you will see their little faces change. Let's pretend I'm a lawyer, and right away their faces change. The adult face takes over. We go to court, and that is the face we see, and that is what we are. We are still children, but we have lost our freedom. The freedom we are looking for is the freedom to be ourselves, to express ourselves. But if we look at our lives, we will see that most of the time, we do things just to please others, just to be accepted by others, rather than living our lives to please ourselves. And that is what has happened to our freedom. And we see in our society and all the societies around the world that for every 1,000 people, 999 are completely domesticated. The worst part is that most of us are not even aware that we are not free. There is something inside that whispers to us that we are not free, but we do not understand what it is and why we are not free. The problem with most people is that they live their lives and never discover that the judge and the victim rule their mind, and therefore they don't have a chance to be free. The first step toward personal freedom is awareness. We need to be aware that we are not free in order to be free. We need to be aware of what the problem is in order to solve the problem. Awareness is always the first step because if you are not aware, there is nothing you can change. If you are not aware that your mind is full of wounds and emotional poison, you cannot begin to clean and heal the wounds and you will continue to suffer. There is no reason to suffer. With awareness, you can rebel and say, this is enough. You can look for a way to heal and transform your personal dream. The dream of the planet is just a dream. It is not even real. If you go into the dream and start challenging your beliefs, you will find that most of the beliefs that guided you into the wounded mind are not even true. You will find that you suffered all those years of drama for nothing. Why? Because... The belief system that was put inside your mind is based on lies. That is why it is important for you to master your own dream. That is why the Toltecs became dream masters. Your life is the manifestation of your dream. It is an art. And you can change your life any time you aren't enjoying the dream. 
Dream masters create a masterpiece of life. They control the dream by making choices. Everything has consequences, and a dream master is aware of the consequences. To be Taltic is a way of life. It is a way of life where there are no leaders and no followers, where you have your own truth and live your own truth. A Taltic becomes wise, becomes wild, and becomes free again. There are three masteries that lead people to become Taltics. First is the mastery of awareness. This is to be aware of who we really are with all the possibilities. The second is the mastery of transformation, how to change, how to be free of domestication. The third is the mastery of intent. Intent from the Taltec point of view is that part of life that makes transformation of energy possible. It is the one living being that seamlessly encompasses all energy of what we call God. Intent is life itself. It is unconditional love. The mastery of intent is therefore the mastery of love. When we will talk about the Taltic path to freedom, we find that they have an entire map for breaking free of domestication. They compare the judge the victim, and the belief system to a parasite that invades the human mind. From the Taltic point of view, all humans are domesticated. Who are domesticated are sick. They are sick because there is a parasite that controls the mind and controls the brain. The food for the parasite is the negative emotions that come from fear. If we look at the description of a parasite, we find that a parasite is a living being who lives off other living beings, sucking their energy without any useful contribution in return, and hurting their hosts little by little. The judge, the victim, and the belief system fit this description very well. Together they comprise a living being made of psychic or emotional energy, and that energy is alive. Of course, it is not material energy, but neither are emotions material energy. Our dreams are not material energy either, but we know that they exist. One function, one function of the brain is to transform material energy into emotional energy. Our brain is the factory of the emotions, and we have said that the main functions of the mind is to dream. The Taltecs believe that the parasite, the judge, the victim, and the belief system has control of your mind. It controls your personal dream. The parasite dreams through your mind and lives its life through your body. It survives on the emotions that come from fear and thrives on drama and suffering. The freedom we seek is to use our own mind and body to live our own life instead of the life of the belief system. And when we discover that the mind is controlled by the judge and the victim and the real us is in the corner, we have just two choices. One choice is to keep living the way we are, to surrender to the judge and the victim, to keep living in the dream of the planet. And the second choice is to do what we do as children when parents try to domesticate us. We can rebel and say no. 
We can declare a war against the parasite, a war against the judge and the victim, a war for our independence, a war for the right to use our own mind and our own brain. That is why in all the shamanic traditions in America, from Canada to Argentina, people call themselves warriors because they are in a war against the parasite in the mind. That is the real meaning of a warrior. The warrior is one who rebels against the invasion of the parasite. The warrior rebels and declares a war. But to be a warrior doesn't mean we always win the war. We may win or we may lose, but we always do our best, and at least we have a chance to be free again. Choosing this path gives us, at the very least, the dignity of rebellion and ensures that we would not be helpless victim of our own whimsical emotions or the poisonous emotions of others. Even if we succumb to the enemy, the parasite, we will not be among those victims who would not fight back. At best, being a warrior gives us an opportunity to transcend the death of the planet and to change our personal dream into a dream that we call heaven. And just like hell, Heaven is a place that exists within our mind. It is a place of joy, a place where we are happy, where we are free to love and to be who we really are. We can reach heaven while we are alive. We don't have to wait until we die. God is always present. The kingdom of heaven is everywhere. But first, we need to have the eyes and the ears to see and hear that truth. We need to be free of the parasite. The parasite can be compared to a monster with a thousand heads. Every head of the parasite is one of the fears that we have. If we want to be free, we have to destroy the parasite. One solution is to attack the parasite head by head, which means we face each of our fears one by one. This is a slow process, but it works. Every time we face one of the fears, we are a little more free. A second approach is to stop feeding the parasite. If we don't give the parasite any food, we kill the parasite by starvation. To do this, we have to gain control of our emotion. We have to refrain from fueling the emotions that come from fear. This is easy to say, however, but it is very difficult to do. It is difficult because the judge and the victim control our minds. And the third solution is called the initiation of the dead. The initiation of the dead is found in many traditions and esoteric schools around the world. We find it in Egypt, India, Greece, and America. And this is a symbolic death which kills the parasite without harming our physical body. When we die, symbolically, the parasite has to die. This is faster than the first two solutions. And this is even more difficult to do. We need a great deal of courage to face the angel of death. We need to be very strong. Let's take a closer look at each of these solutions. It's interesting. We had no idea that I was going to read what it's read. And you know, in our conversation, we were talking about that you have to die. Right, right. And it's interesting that um, shamans John Miguel talks about facing the 
fears one at a time. Mm. And that's so interesting because, as you know, in the series that I'm doing on my show, Mm -hmm. we're going through ten past life fears one at a time. Isn't that something? So that people can (laughs) build themselves Don't you love the synchronicity? Oh, I love it. Yes, indeed. I I certainly didn't expect you to read that. I mean, I have read the four agreements a couple of times, Mm -hmm. but... It's been a while, so I don't remember what what every chapter is about. I remember the basic principles, but I didn't remember that that section was was in in the book. Mm -hmm. So I'm just tickled about that. Same here. I'm always, uh, my wife and I always uh, smile and become joyful when we experience these synchronistic moments. And um, I'm sure that the listening audience... uh, Amongst you, you have the same type of enjoyment and excitement when that happens. So uh, it's becoming more commonplace, of course. The more that we uh, recognize this as being a, a normal part of our life, of our journey, as we ascend in our consciousness. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, Shaman uh, Don Miguel is, is really on to something here. Very, very much so. So... He, I left off by saying, let's take a closer look at each of these solutions. And the act of transformation, the dream of the second attention, that's the, uh, the heading of this particular uh, part of the chapter. Mm-hmm. We have learned that the dream you're living now is the result of the outside dream hooking your attention and feeding you all of your beliefs. The process of domestication can be called the dream of the first attention because it was how your attention was used for the first time to create the first dream of your life. One way to change your beliefs is to focus your attention on all of these agreements and beliefs and change the agreements with yourself. In doing this, you're using your attention for the second time, thus creating the dream of the second attention or the new dream. The difference is that you're no longer innocent. When you were a child, this was not true. You didn't have a choice. But you are no longer a child. Now it's up to you to choose what to believe and what not to believe. You can choose to believe in anything, and that includes believing in yourself. The first step is to become aware of the fog that is in your mind. You must become aware that you are dreaming all the time. Only with the awareness do you have the possibility of transforming your dream. If you have the awareness that the whole drama of your life is a result of what you believe and what you believe is not real, then you can begin to change it. However, to really change your beliefs, you need to focus your attention on what it is that you want to change. You have to know what agreements you want to change before you can change them. So the next step is to develop an awareness of all the self-limiting, fear-based beliefs that make you unhappy. You take an inventory of all that you believe, all your agreements, and through this process you begin the transformation. The Toltecs call this the art of transformation, and it's a whole mastery. You achieve the mastery of transformation by changing the fear-based agreements that make you suffer and reprogramming your own mind in your own way. 
And one of the ways to do this is to explore and adopt alternative beliefs such as the four agreements. The decision to adopt the four agreements is a declaration of war to regain your freedom from the parasite. The four agreements offer the possibility of ending the emotional pain, which can open the door for you to enjoy your life and begin a new dream. It's up to you to explore the possibilities of your dream, if you're interested. The four agreements were created to assist you in the art of transformation, to help you break the limiting agreements and gain more personal power and become stronger. The stronger you get, the more agreements you can break until the moment comes when you make it to the core of all of those agreements. And going to the core of those agreements is what I call going into the desert. When you go into the desert, you meet your demons face to face. And after coming out of the desert, all those demons become angels. And practicing the four agreements is a big act of power. Breaking the spell of the black magic in your mind requires a great personal power. And every time you break an agreement, you gain extra power. You start by breaking the agreement that are, agreements rather that are very small and require less power. As those smaller agreements are broken, your personal power will increase until you reach a point when you can finally face the big demons in your mind. For example, a little girl who was told not to sing is not 20 years old. I'm sorry, a little girl who was told not to sing is now 20 years old, and she still does not sing. One way she can overcome the belief that her voice is ugly is to say, okay, I will try to sing, even if I do sing badly. Then she can pretend that someone is clapping and telling her, oh, that was beautiful. This may break the agreement a teeny tiny bit, but it will still be there. However, now she has a little more power and courage to try again and again until finally she breaks the agreement. That's one way out of the dream of hell. But for every agreement you break that makes you suffer, you will need to replace it with a new agreement that makes you happy. And this will help the old agreement from coming back. Or this will keep the old agreement from coming back. If you occupy the same space with the new agreement, then the old agreement is gone forever, and in its place is the new agreement. There are many strong beliefs in the mind that can make this process look hopeless. That is why you need to go step by step. And be patient with yourself because this is a slow process. The way you are living now is the result of many years of domestication. You cannot expect to break the domestication one day. Breaking agreements is very difficult because you put the power of the world, which is the power of our will, into every agreement we have made. We need the same amount of power to change an agreement. We cannot change an agreement with less power than we used to make the agreement. And almost all of our personal power is invested in keeping the agreement we have had with ourselves. And that's because our agreements are actually like a strong addiction. We are addicted to being the way we are. We are addicted to anger, jealousy, and self-pity. We are addicted to the least to tell us, I'm not good enough. I'm not intelligent enough. Why even try? Other people will do it because they're better than me. All these agreements will rule over dream of, our dream of life and are the result of repeating them over and over again. 
Therefore, to adopt the four agreements, you need to put repetition into action. Practicing the new agreements in your life is how you best become better. Repetition makes the master. The discipline of the warrior, controlling your own behavior. Imagine that you awake early one morning, overflowing with enthusiasm for the day. You feel good. You're happy and have plenty of energy to face the day. Then at breakfast, you have a big fight with your spouse, and a flood of emotion comes out. You get mad, and in the emotion of anger, you spend a lot of personal power. After the fight, you feel drained, and you just want to go and cry. In fact, you feel so tired that you go to your room, collapse, and try to recover. You spend the day wrapped up in your emotions. You have no energy to keep going, and you just want to walk away from everything. Every day, we awake with a certain amount of mental, emotional, and physical energy that we spend throughout the day. If we allow our emotions to deplete our energy, we have no energy to change our life or to give to others. The way you see the world will depend upon the emotions you are feeling. And when you are angry, everything around you is wrong, Nothing is right. You blame everything, including the weather. Whether it's raining or the sun is shining, nothing pleases you. When you're sad, everything around you is sad and makes you cry. You see the trees and you feel sad. You see the rain and everything looks so sad. Perhaps you feel vulnerable and have a need to protect yourself because you don't know in what moment someone will attack you. You do not trust anything or anyone around you. This is because you see the world with the eyes of fear. Imagine that the human mind is the same as your skin. You can touch healthy skin and it feels wonderful. Your skin is made for perception and the sensation of touch is wonderful. Now imagine you have an injury and the skin gets cut and infected and you touch the infected skin. It is going to hurt, so you try to cover and protect the skin. You will not enjoy being touched because it hurts. Now imagine that all humans have this skin disease. Nobody can touch each other because it is going to hurt. Everyone has wounds on their skin, so the infection is seen as normal. The pain is also considered normal. We believe we are supposed to be that way. Now can you imagine how we would behave with each other if all the humans in the world has this skin disease? Of course, we would hardly ever hug each other because it would be too painful. So we would need to create a lot of distance between us. The human mind is exactly like this description of infected skin. Every human has an emotional body completely covered with infected wounds. Each wound is infected with emotional poison. The poison of all the emotions that makes us suffer, such as hate, anger, envy, and sadness. An action of injustice opens the wound in the mind, and we react with emotion, emotional poison because of the concepts and the beliefs that we have about injustice and what is fair. The mind is so wounded and full of poison by the process of domestication that everyone describes the wounded mind as normal, and this is considered normal but I can tell you that it is not normal. 
we have a dysfunction. We have a dysfunctional dream of the planet, and humans are mentally sick with a disease called fear. The symptoms of the disease are all the emotions that make humans suffer, anger, hate, sadness, envy, and betrayal. And when the fear is too great, the reasoning mind begins to fail. And we call this mental illness. Psychotic behavior occurs when the mind is so frightened and the wound is so painful that it seems better to break contact with the outside world. And if we can see our state of mind as a disease, we find that there is a cure. We don't have to suffer anymore. First, we need the truth to open the emotional wounds, take the poison out, and heal the wounds completely. And how do we do this? We must forgive those that we feel have wronged us, not because they deserve to be forgiven, but because we love ourselves so much we don't want to keep paying for the injustice. Forgiveness is the only way to heal. We can choose to forgive because we feel compassion for ourselves. We can let go of the resentment and declare, that's enough. I will no longer be the big judge that goes around and goes against myself. I will no longer beat myself up and abuse myself. I will no longer be the victim. And first, we need to forgive our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, and God. Once you forgive God, you can finally forgive yourself. Once you forgive yourself, the self-injection in your mind is over. Self-acceptance begins, and the self-love will grow so strong that you will finally accept yourself just the way you are. That's the beginning of the free human. Forgiveness is the key. Hmm, another synchronicity. Yes. God supports their efforts. Absolutely. Yes. 
I want to recommend, I, I don't remember if I saw it in your bookstore or not. I know I have it in mine. Mm -hmm. But it's a little book. I read it years ago. I read it maybe 20, 30 years ago. The name of it is Love is Letting Go of Fear ah. by Dr. Gerald Jampolsky. Could you repeat that, please? Love is Letting Go of Fear mm -hmm. by Dr. Gerald Jampolsky. Ah. His last name is spelled, um, I believe, J-A-M-P-O-L-S-K-Y. Mm -hmm. Stock your book your bookstore with it if you don't sure. have it. It's an awesome book. I, I have it I have it somewhere in the house. I'm gonna find it okay. because I guess you haven't read it the way that you're looking at me. It's right. like, oh okay. Well you'll read it. I'm gonna find it. It's in the house somewhere. Okay. And it's I, I read it years ago and it was very profound to me at that time. Mm -hmm. And now just the synchronicity of it coming um coming up at this time when we're talking about transformation, mm -hmm. when we're talking about how can you heal without forgiveness, mm -hmm. but we're talking about it's, it's frightening to let go of our belief system. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. almost sounds like we're almost in like a quagmire here. You know, you have to forgive to heal. You have to let go of your belief system to heal and to ascend and to accept the concept of forgiveness in the first place. Mm -hmm. As many people hold on to non-forgiveness as their way of life. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to this. It'll be over my dead body before I forgive so-and-so. You ever hear somebody say that? Well, it's over his dead body before they forgive somebody. Absolutely. I mean, really, that's taking it to the end. And they have to let it go, and they're wondering why they're not successful. Well, it's interesting that you should mention that, and I don't want to forget, could you tell the listening audience uh, the, the connectivity or the URL to your website and also to the your Facebook well, my, uh, my website is simply www.spiritchange.com. The website is the same as my name. Right. And uh, you said my Facebook? Right, if they want to connect with you on Facebook and also the group of forgiveness. Spiritchange.com forward slash, no, I'm sorry, Facebook.com forward slash spiritchange. Right. So that's you know they're pretty easy to remember, but fortunately since these shows are archived, yes. if someone does not have uh, something to write it down with right now, they can always just go back and replay the show and, and get the information. But I'll just say again, my website is www.spiritchange.com, and on Facebook, I believe it's facebook.com forward slash spiritchange. Right. And you can access me on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash uh, uh, Drums of Change. Or you can go forward slash Wesley Gray. Either one of those, especially my name, Wesley Gray, would take you to my Facebook page. And uh, I have links also to my wife's Spirit Changes page as well. Uh, so speaking about holding on to anger, I, I, I have, a, you know, the name of my show is Grassroots Holistic Help, and I have an article from John Hopkins uh, uh, Institute, Medical Institute, and it's dealing with cancer. And I'm sure most of us have heard that uh, stress is one of the precursors to most diseases. In other words, indeed, the word disease is dis-ease, not being at ease with oneself, being in a state of stress and tension. So holding on to hatred and anger and, and being envious and revengeful and so forth can make your body more of, uh, more hospitable, if you will, to parasites, to bacteria, to germs, 
you know, to uh, cancer cells, for that matter. So I just wanted to read something, uh, and then we'll go back to excerpts of the book. Um, Every person has cancer cells in the body. These cancer cells do not show up in the standard test until they have multiplied to a few billion, not million, but billion, with a B. When the doctors tell cancer patients that there are no more cancer cells in their bodies after treatment, it just means that the tests are unable to detect the cancer cells because they have not reached the detectable size, which, again, is a few billion in terms of uh, their microscopic size. Cancer cells occur between six to more than ten times in a person's lifetime. Again, I repeat that. Cancer cells occur between six to more than ten times in a person's lifetime. When a person's immune system is strong, the cancer cells will be destroyed and prevented from multiplying and forming tumors. When a person has cancer, it indicates that the person has multiple nutritional deficiencies, and these could be due to genetic, environmental, food, and lifestyle factors. To overcome the multiple nutritional deficiencies, Changing diet and including supplements will strengthen the immune system. Chemotherapy involves poisoning the rapidly growing cancer cells and also destroys rapidly growing healthy cells in the bone marrow, gastrointestinal tract, and other parts of the body. And this also can cause organ damage like liver, kidneys, and heart and lung damage. Radiation, while destroying cancer cells, also burns, scars, and damages healthy cells, tissues, and organs. The initial treatment with chemotherapy and radiation will often reduce cancer, the size of a tumor. However, prolonged use of chemotherapy and radiation do not result in more tumor destruction. When the body has too much toxic burden from chemotherapy and radiation, the immune system is either compromised or destroyed and hence the person can succumb to various kinds of infections and complications. Chemotherapy and radiation can cause cancer cells to mutate and become more resistant and difficult to destroy. And surgery can also cause cancer cells to spread to other sites. An effective way to battle cancer is to starve the cancer cells by not feeding it with the food that it needs to multiply. And what does cancer feed on? Cancer feeds on sugar. Sugar is a cancer feeder. And by cutting off sugar, and that is white sugar, it cuts off one of the important food supplies to cancer cells. Sugar substitutes like NutraSweet, Equal, Spoonful, etc., are made with the aparatamine, and it is, and it is harmful. A better nutritional substitute would be mouth malnucahone, agave, and molasses, but only in very small amounts. Table salt has a chemical added to it to make it quite in color. Better alternatives is Bragg's uh, amino source salt, or sea salt. Milk causes the body to produce mucus, especially in the gastrointestinal tract, and cancer feeds on mucus. By cutting milk and sustaining uh, and substituting, rather, with unsweetened soy milk, cancer cells are being starved. 
Cancer cells thrive in an acidic environment. A meat-based diet is acidic, and it is best to eat fish and a little chicken rather than beef or pork. And I may add, if it can be halal or kosher fish or chicken, that's even better. Meat also contains livestock antibiotics and growth hormones and parasites, which are all helpful, especially to people with cancer. A diet made of 80% fresh vegetables and juice, whole grains, seeds, nuts, and a little fruits help put the body in an alkaline environment. About 20% can be found from cooked food, including beans, legumes, fresh vegetable juices, provide live enzymes that are easily absorbed and reach down to a, a cellular level within 15 minutes to nourish and enhance growth of healthy cells. To attain live enzymes for building healthy cells, try and drink fresh vegetable juice, most vegetables, including bean sprouts, and, and eat some raw vegetables two or three times a day. My wife does this quite a bit, and I have to follow her example more so. Enzymes are destroyed at temperature of 104 degrees Fahrenheit, 40 degrees, uh, 140 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Avoid coffee, tea, chocolate, which have high caffeine. Green tea is a better alternative and has cancer-fighting properties. Water best to drink. Water is best to drink in purified water or filtered to avoid known toxins and healthy metals in tap water. Distilled water is acidic, so avoid it. Meat protein is difficult to digest and requires a lot of digestive enzymes. Undigested meat remaining in the intestines becomes putrefied and leads to more toxic buildup. Cancer cell walls have a tough protein covering, and by refraining from eating less meat, it frees more enzymes to attack the protein walls of cancer cells and allows the body's killer cells to destroy the cancer cells. Some supplements build up the immune system, IP6, fluorescence, acidic, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, EFAs, etc., and to ensure the body's own killer cells to to enable the body's own killer cells to destroy cancer cells, other supplements like vitamin E are known to cause apoptosis and are programmed cell death ingredients. The body's normal method of disposing of damaged, unwanted, and unneeded cells. Cancer is a, a disease of the mind, body, and spirit. A proactive and positive spirit will help the cancer warrior be a survivor. Anger, unforgiving, and bitterness put the body into a stressful and acidic environment. Learn to have a loving and forgiving spirit. Learn to relax and enjoy life. Cancer cells cannot thrive in an oxygenated environment. Exercising daily, I suggest that you at least walk for a half an hour a day or get into some type of aerobic ex exercise for at least a half an hour per day. Deep breathing helps, so you can practice uh, uh, hava yoga, which is always, uh, any type of yoga is good for you, but for breathing, I think it's hava yoga, circular breathing, to get more oxygen down into the cellular level. Oxygen therapy is another means employed to destroy cancer cells. So this was an article, as I mentioned before, which was published 
from John Hopkins Medical Center. It just so happens that I've been a vegetarian uh, for over 20 years. I've been back and forth. I know it took me a long time to, to stop drop, uh, falling off the wagon, but I can, I'm blessed at my age uh, of 65 plus. I'm 67, actually, where uh, I, I'm feeling as if I'm 20 years, sometimes 25 years younger in terms of my being vigorous and, and having energy. And I just ran my 14th New York City Marathon this past November, and I hope to run a marathon every year. My wife has been a vegetarian for over, going on five years now, right? Huh? Yes. And, and uh, I haven't fallen off the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Bless your heart, right? Indeed, you're, you're very, very fortunate. So, uh, and you're walking now. It's, it's, we have we've been on a certain hiatus for a short while, but we do exercise and we go to the park together and walk uh, at least three and a half miles together along with my running additional miles, and I'm looking forward to you eventually running a marathon. I'm not. Oh, you're not. <laughs> I've seen the way I was pulling up those stairs last night. Uh, I'm not looking forward. That's not one of my dreams. Okay. But I admire anybody that can yeah. do it. I, I just think it's unbelievable. I, I, <laughs> I know what's for me and what's not for me. Absolutely. But the three and a half miles that I do, that, I'm surprised that I'm even doing that. Yes. Yes. So I consider that to be a milestone for me. Absolutely. And anything above that would, would just be incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's a, uh, a saying in the running community where uh, the body keeps score. It's like anything that you do uh, that's healthy for your body is like making a deposit into uh, a banking account. It's not a savings account. Oh, absolutely. Your body uh, has a memory. It saves that energy. It saves... It, it remembers that exercise that you've done, and it pays it back. It pays it forward with interest. You might not notice immediately, but a year from now, five, ten, twenty years from now, uh, that exercise that you that you did, that diet that you embraced, uh, the vegetarian diet, if not the meatless diet, you know, all of those things help the body to repair itself and to keep itself in optimum condition. So uh, I, I definitely. Uh, uh, and just very happy that I can become sort of a spokesperson for eating, a, having a healthy diet and exercising because it has paid off. It's been 30 years since I ran my first marathon. And um, I see friends of mine my age, and they wonder, what am I doing? And I said, well, remember when I was running some 30 years ago? You know, I'm now getting the benefits. I'm getting the payback from that investment. It's true. You're, you're an example for anyone in any age group. Mm, thank you. No, really. You know, honestly, you are because um, even even men in age groups like maybe half your age, mm -hmm. they they're not able to keep up with you running. So I mean, yeah, you're you're an example for I think anyone in any age group. And I must say though, anyone can do this. Not anyone, but you know, you have to have certain genetics and there's a certain grace, but. And you Everyone. have to have the drive. That the drive. Not, not too yeah. many people are going to get up on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning and run in inclement weather. They're not going to do it. <laughs> the average person is not going to do that, okay? That's true. So there's, there's a lot that goes along with it. But like with anything else, if you set goals, if you visualize, 
you have a reason for doing something, you have a motivation for doing something, because I think many people don't achieve their goals, whether it's health or anything else, because they don't have that motivator. You have a motivation to do what you do, so that's why you're successful with it. Well, there's another thing, too, I think, is uh, as Shaman Damagrel talks about in the Four Agreements, that we buy into this dream. And uh, those of us who live in the Western society, those of us who are Americans, you know, we, we buy into a dream of convenience. And uh, we want uh, instant gratification. And there's something to say about that, that a lot of us, especially those of us from a certain age group, the so-called baby boomers, you know, those of us who uh, did not embrace as some of the youngsters now, young adults, they go to the gym, you know, they work out and so forth. They know the significance and the value of that. Sure. Because they see now their parents and their grandparents what kind of shape they're in. And now the knowledge is out there. You know, they're reading and looking at uh, in the Internet and Googling various diseases and how it comes about. So exercise is key, and having a good diet is key. And um, as uh, we have now, we have children who are obese. So we recognize that we have to be proactive and set an example. Our children follow us by example, not what we tell them necessarily. The latest statistic that I heard, and I believe I heard it this week, mm-hmm. is that one-third of Americans are obese. One-third, 33% of Americans are obese. Mm -hmm. That number is staggering. Yes. But look at at what's happening. Fast food, right? Mm -hmm. The stressful lifestyles. And now with the economic crisis, it's easing a bit, but nevertheless, it's still very real for many people. Yes. So you resort to alcohol, which is very high and calories, and it's just plain not good for you anyway, but just the caloric content of it, very high. Mm-hmm. Fast food, the potato chips, the, the stress relievers, all those sweets, those cakes and cookies and things that temporarily relieve stress. Yes. And so now that's what's going into your bloodstream, and that's what's making up your skin and your organs, because you are what you eat. Yes. And, and what happens is that we buy into the dream, 99% of uh, Shaman Don says is, has brought into the dream. So, unfortunately, we have a culture, we have a society where we have all these holidays. Every month, every two or three months, there's a holiday that involves celebrating, and food is part of that celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> and, then, and then a lot of them involves drinking, drinking alcohol and sure. other beverages, sure. which are not healthy for you. And then, of course, if they're not alcoholic, as long as they have sugar in it, you know, that, that's a problem. And then, uh, of course, we have in our individual family, our nuclear family, we have this celebration, we have birthdays, we have weddings. Every week, every other week, there's some type of Always something. something to celebrate, which gives us an excuse to celebrate by eating their own food. Sure. Or if not overeating, mm-hmm. you know, too many calories. You're in a job, and if you have a big office or a big job environment, Every weekend, someone's having a party. Someone's retiring. So, yes, there's that part of that dream which uh, can become the precursor and, and the sustainer of that parasite, and that parasite which can cause you harm. 
on a physical, material basis. So that's something to really talk about and, and to really have a discussion, to talk with yourself, number one, and then, of course, to discuss within your, uh, your family, with your spouse, with your children, with your nuclear family and friends and associates, that we need to start uh, embracing a, a healthier lifestyle, having this conversation of what is the parasite, what are those heads that you have to cut off, what are those fears that you have to approach one at a time. Do you have any questions uh, that anyone has posted? I don't have any questions. There were a couple of comments. One of our guests is talking about the, I'll call it the politics <laughs> of food. Absolutely. Because our guest is stating it's cheaper to have breakfast and mac is than to buy milk and oats or whole grain bread, and that's true. true. And our guest also said it's cheaper to buy a bottle of, of Coke than a carton of milk. True once again, and I call that the politics of food. Yes, isn't that something? Yeah. Well, that's true, though. It is cheaper and more expedient. And the, the Coke and all the sodas, they last longer. They don't, they don't uh, petrify and spoil over a week's time. You can have them for months in your refrigerator. If not, it's not in your refrigerator, in the basement or the closet, wherever you, know, you store uh, your food at, your liquid food. So, well, exactly. As long as you don't open the bottle of soda, you can have it, I, I don't know, it just lasts a very long time, maybe months, I don't know, even longer than months, who knows. Mm -hmm. But with milk, you do have to use it. It's very perishable, and it is much more expensive, but that's why... That's part of the reason that so many Americans, 33% of us, are mm -hmm. obese. Mm -hmm. And you could tie that into the diabetes talk. Yes. Over 25 million Americans are diagnosed as diabetic, and another 3.7 million have the disease and don't know no, it. Don't know it. Well, okay. so. And we're talking about the food. We're talking about the food, but not just the food. We're talking about stress, and we're talking about lack of forgiveness, anger, and bitterness. And when you combine that with the bad eating habits, your body is so totally acidic, you, you just basically don't have a chance. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. The high level of acidity, mm -hmm. when you eat the vegetables and the legumes, when you drink the alkaline water, when you put away the sodas, and the cigarettes and the alcoholic beverages, you're taking that acidity yes. out of your bloodstream and you're converting it to being more alkaline. Mm -hmm. And then you start the road back to health. Mm -hmm. And the more alkaline you become, you're also reversing mm -hmm. diabetes along with the cancers and the other diseases that one picks up along the way. And you're acquiring more positive, healthy self-esteem. Yes. And that self-esteem now emanates to those who are in your company. And on becomes a... Infect, becomes a positive infection. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and on another level, we're also instilling that into our DNA. Oh. So that our future children will have in their DNA 
the desire Absolutely. to have the taste of the fruits and vegetables, they, they won't know why. They'll just know that that's what they're attracted to. That's what Excellent they're going point. to want. Excellent and that's point. something that's really not talked about. I'm sure I'm not first, but I haven't yeah. heard it elsewhere, though. Yeah, well, that's something so. that I... I I, I didn't touch upon it on, on the DNA level, um, I, but I did re- resonate with the fact that, yes, there are women who, when they're given birth to a child, even before they conceive, conceive a child, that they have a certain healthy lifestyle. And well, not just the women, it's the parents and, and the men. I was going to say that, and, 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 and the men, well. men as well. That's imperative. And, and that's why it's so important uh, there's documentation that those of us who have multiple sex partners and not knowing what habits they have in terms of the diet and so forth, their thoughts for that matter, you know, can be a detriment to you because all this stuff is transferable, you know. These these energies on a very microscopic and not ethical level, it's transferable. Well, sure, it's that thing, you're a product of everyone you slept with. That's yes. not really a comforting thought to some people, but it's reality. And many people don't realize, those who want, there is a remedy, mm-hmm. which I which I share with people. And, you know, those that, that are interested can email me and, you know, we can set up a conversation and talk about it. You can get those other people's energy right. out of your body by doing spiritual cleansing, which I prescribe to people. Absolutely. So that's something important to know. Absolutely. Uh, many people don't realize that when you've slept with someone, their energy stays in your aura for over a year. A year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that might not be energy that you want to carry around with you for a year. Mm-hmm. All right? So there are ways to cleanse yourself of that, just, just so everyone knows. Okay. Wow, so much to ponder, so much to uh, to contemplate. I know, don't you love it? I love it. I love, I, it. I love it. It's it's good to help heal the planet, help heal ourselves, and heal the planet. Yes, because we're all we're all interdependent upon one another. Uh, we have a tendency to think that we're separate, but uh, just like we breathe the same air, uh, and the water that we are drinking has been recycled actually for billions and billions of years. This liquid that sustains us, which is uh, more than about 75% of our body, uh, 70% of our body, is the same uh, matter, liquid matter, that has existed on this planet for billions and billions of years. So we are all sharing the same life force, the same life force on an ethereal level, on a, uh, on a um, sub-ethereal, subatomic level, and indeed, on a physical level, we're all interdependent upon one another. And we all can assist each other to heal by embracing certain concepts, such as what uh, Shaman Don Miguel has shared with us with the four agreements. Uh, the four agreements, be impeccable with your word, speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself, or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. That's the first agreement. Be impeccable with this, your word. The second is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. 
What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dreams. What you are immune to, or when you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. The third agreement, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And last but not least, the fourth agreement is always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you're healthy and as opposed to when you're sick. But under any circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. I'm going to continue. Uh, we have about, uh, about 20 more minutes left, and uh, I'm going to continue towards the end of the book. And at that point, we look forward to our next book, which I will be announcing next week, during the week, actually. First, we need to forgive our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, and God. And once you forgive God, you can finally forgive yourself. Once you forgive yourself, the self-rejection in your mind is over. Self-acceptance begins, and the self-love will grow so strong that you will finally accept yourself just the way you are. And that's the beginning of the free human. Forgiveness is the key. You will know you will know you have forgiven someone when you see them and you no longer have an emotional reaction. You will hear the name of the person and you will have no emotional reaction. And when someone can touch what needs what used to be a wound and it no longer hurts you, then you know you have truly forgiven. The truth is like a scaffold. The truth is painful because it opens all the wounds which are covered by lies so that we can be healed. And these lies are what we call the denial system. It's a good thing we have the denial system because it allows us to cover our wounds and still function. But once we no longer have any wounds or any poison, we don't need to lie anymore. You don't need the denial system because a healthy mind, like healthy skin, can be touched without hurting. It's pleasurable for the mind to be touched when it is clean. The problem with most people is that they lose control of their emotions. It is the emotions that control the behavior of the human, not the human who controls the emotions. When we lose control, we say things that we don't want to say, and we do things that we don't want to do. That is why it is so important to be impeccable with our word and to become a spiritual warrior. We must learn to control the emotions so that we have enough personal power to change our fear-based agreements, escape from the hell, and create our own personal heaven. How are we to become a warrior? There are certain characteristics of the warrior that are near, nearby the same, nearly the same around the world. The warrior has awareness. That's very important. We are aware that we are at war, and the war in our minds requires discipline. Not the discipline of a soldier, but the discipline of a warrior. 
not the discipline from the outside to tell us what to do and what not to do, but the discipline to be ourselves no matter what. The warrior has control, not control over another human, but control over one's own emotions, control over one's self. It is when we lose control that we repress the emotions, not when we are in control. The big difference between a warrior and a victim is that the victim represses and the warrior refrains. The victim represses because they are afraid to show the emotions, afraid to say what they want to say. To refrain is not the same thing as repression. To refrain is to hold the emotions and to express them in the right moment, not before, not later. That is why warriors are impeccable. They have complete control over their own emotions and therefore over their own behavior. The initiation of the dead embracing the angel of death the final way to attain personal freedom is to prepare ourselves for the initiation of the dead, to take death itself as our teacher. What the angel of death can teach us is how to truly be alive. We become aware that we can die at any moment. We have just the present to be alive. The truth is that we don't know if we are going to die tomorrow. Who knows? We have the idea that we have many years in the future, but do we? If we go to the hospital and the doctor tells us that we have one week to live, and what are we going to do? As we have said before, we have two choices. One is to suffer because we are going to die and tell everyone, poor me, I'm going to die, and really create a huge drama. The other choice is to use every moment to be happy, to do what we really enjoy doing. If we only have one week to live, let's enjoy life. Let's be alive. We can say, I'm going to be myself. No longer am I going to run my life trying to please other people. No longer am I going to be afraid of what they think about me. What I do care, what I do care what others think, if I'm going to die in one week, I'm going to be myself. The angel of death can teach us to live every day as if it was the last day of our life as if there may be no tomorrow. We can begin each day by saying, I am awake. I see the sun. I am going to give my gratitude to the sun and do everything and everyone. I'm going to give my gratitude to the sun and to everything and to everyone because I am still alive. One more day to be myself. That is why I see life. That is the way I see life. That is what the angel of death taught me, to be completely open, to know that there is nothing to be afraid of. And, of course, I treat the people I love with love because this may be the last day that I can tell you how much I love you. I don't know if I'm going to see you again, so I don't want to fight with you. And what if I had a big fight with you and I told you all those emotional poisons, poisons that I have against you and you die tomorrow? Oops. Oh, my God. The judge will get me so bad, and I will feel so guilty for everything that I told you. I will even feel guilty for not telling you how much I love you. The love that makes me happy is the love that I can share with you. Why do I need to deny that I love you? It is not important if you love me back. I may die tomorrow, or you may die tomorrow. What makes me happy now is to let you know how much I love you. You can live your life this way by doing so, 
you prepare yourself for the initiation of death. And what is going to happen in the initiation of death, of death is the old dream that you have in your mind is going to die forever. Yes, you're going to have memories of the parasite, of the judge, the victim, and what you used to believe, but the parasite will be dead. That is what is going to die in the initiation of death, the parasite. It is not easy to go for the initiation of death because the judge and the victim will fight with everything they have. They don't want to die. And we feel that we are the ones who are going to die, and we are afraid of this death. When we live in the dream of the planet, it is as if we are dead. Whoever survives the initiation of the dead receives the most wonderful gift, the resurrection. To receive the resurrection is to arise from the dead, to be alive, to be ourselves again. The resurrection is like a child, to be wild and free, but with a difference. The difference is that we have freedom with wisdom instead of innocence. We are able to break our domestication because we become free again and heal our mind. We surrender to the angel of death, knowing that the parasite will die and we will be alive with a healthy mind and perfect reason. Then we are free to use our own mind and run our own life. That is what in the Toltec way the angel of death teaches us. The angel of death comes to us and says, you see everything that exists here is mine. It is not yours. Your house, your spouse, your children, your car, your career, your money, everything is mine, and I can take it away when I want to. But for now, you can use it. If we surrender to the angel of death, we will be happy forever and ever. Why? Because the angel of death, takes the past away in order to make it possible for life to continue. For every moment that is past, the angel of death keeps taking the past that is dead, and we keep living in the present. The parasite wants us to carry the past with us, and that makes it so heavy to be alive. When we try to live in the past, how can we enjoy the present? When we dream of the future, why must we carry the burden of the past? When we are going to live in the present, what is it? This is what the angel of death teaches us to do. The new dream, heaven on earth. I want you to forget everything you have learned in your whole life. This is the beginning of a new understanding. It's a new dream. The dream that you're living is your creation. It is your perception of reality that you can change at any time. You have the power to create hell, and you have the power to create heaven. Why not dream a different dream? Why not use your mind, your imagination, your emotions to dream heaven? Just use your imagination and a tremendous thing will happen. Imagine that you have the ability to see the world with different eyes. Whenever you choose, each time you open your eyes, you see the world around you in a different way. Close your eyes now and then open them and look outside. What you will see is love coming out of the trees, love coming out of the sky, love coming out of the light. You will perceive love from everything around you. This is the state of bliss. You perceive love directly from everything, including yourself and other humans. Even when humans are sad or angry, even those feelings you can see that they are also sending love. Using your imagination and your new eyes of perception, I want you to see yourself living a new life, a new dream, a life where you don't need to justify your existence and you are free to be who you really are. Imagine that you have permission to be happy and to really enjoy your life. 
Your life is free of conflict with yourself and with others. Imagine living your life without fear of expressing your dreams. You know what you want, what you don't want, and when you want it. You're free to change your life the way you really want to. You're not afraid to ask for what you want and what you need, to say yes or no to anything or anyone. Imagine living your life without the fear of being judged by others. You're no longer rule your behavior according to what others may think about you. You're, you're no longer responsible for anyone's opinion. You have no need to control anyone, and no one controls you either. Imagine living your life without judging others. You can easily forgive others and let go of any judgment that you have. You don't have to need to be right. You don't need to make anyone else wrong. You respect yourself and everyone else, and they respect you in return. Imagine living without the fear of loving and not being loved. You're no longer afraid to be rejected, and you don't have the need to be accepted. You can say, I love you, with no shame or justification. You can walk in the world with your heart completely open and not be afraid to be hurt. Imagine living your life without being afraid to take a risk and to explore life. You're not afraid to lose anything. You're not afraid to be alive in the world, and you're not afraid to die. Imagine that you love yourself just the way you are. You love your body just the way it is. And you love your emotions just the way they are. You know that you are perfect just as you are. The reason I ask you to imagine these things is because they are all entirely possible. You can live in the state of grace, the state of bliss, the dream of heaven, but in order to experience this dream, you must first understand what it is. Only love has the ability to put you in a state of bliss. Being in bliss is like being in love. Being in love is like being in bliss. You're floating in the clouds. You're perceiving love wherever you go. It is entirely possible to live this way all the time. It is possible because others have done it and they are no different from you. They live in bliss because they have changed their agreements and are dreaming a different dream. And once you feel what it means to live in a state of bliss, you will love it you will know that heaven on earth is truth, that heaven truly exists. Once you know that heaven exists, once you know it is possible to stay there, it is up to you to make the effort to do it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus told us about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of love. But hardly anyone was ready to hear this. They said, what are you talking about? My heart is empty. I don't feel the love that you're talking about. I don't feel the peace that you have. You don't have to do this. Just imagine that his message of love is possible, and you will find that it is yours. The world is very beautiful and very wonderful. Life can be very easy when love is, in, is your way of life. You can be loving all the time. This is your choice. You may not have a reason to love, but you can love because you love, because love makes you happy. Love in action only produces happiness. Love will give you inner peace. It will change your perception of everything. You can see everything with the eyes of love. You can be aware that there is love all around you. And when you live this way, there is no longer a fog in your mind. The, the Matoti has gone on a permanent vacation. This is what humans have been seeking for centuries. For thousands of years, we have been searching for happiness. Happiness is the lost paradise. Humans have worked so hard to reach this point, and this is part of the evolution of the mind. This is the future of humanity. This way of life is possible, and it 
It's in your hands. Moses called it the promised land. Buddha called it Nirvana. Jesus called it heaven. And the Taltics call it the new dream. Unfortunately, your identity is mixed with the dream of the planet. All of your beliefs and agreements have been the fog. You feel the presence of the parasite and believe it is you. And this makes it difficult to let go, to release the parasite and create the space to experience love. You are attached to the judge, attached to the victim. Suffering makes you feel safe because you know it so well. But there is really no reason to suffer. The only reason you suffer is because you choose to suffer. If you look at your life and you find many excuses to suffer, but a good reason to suffer you will not find. The same is true for happiness. The only reason you are happy is because you choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice, and so is suffering. Maybe we cannot escape from the destiny of the human, but we have a choice to suffer our destiny or to enjoy our destiny, to suffer or to love and to be happy, to live in hell or to live in heaven. My choice is to live in heaven. What is yours? Now we have prayers. Please take a moment to close your eyes and open your heart and feel all the love that comes from your heart. I want you to join with my words in your mind and in your heart to feel a very strong connection of love. Together we are going to do a very special prayer to experience a communion with our Creator. Focus your attention on your lungs as if only your lungs exist. Feel the pleasure when your lungs expand to fill to fulfill the biggest need of the human body and to breathe. Take a deep breath and fill this air as it fills your lungs. Feel how the air is nothing but love. Notice the connection between the air and the lungs, a connection of love. Expand your lungs with air until your body has the need to expel the air, and then exhale and feel the pleasure again. Begin when we fulfill any need of the human body, it gives us pleasure. To breathe gives us much pleasure. Just to breathe is enough for us to always be happy, to enjoy life. Just to be alive is enough. Feel the pleasure to be alive, the pleasure of the feeling of love, a prayer for freedom. Today, creator of the universe, we ask that you come to us and share with us a strong communion of love. We know that your real name is love, that to have a communion with you means to share the same vibration, the same frequency that you are, because you are the only thing that exists in the universe. Today, help us to be like you are, to love life, to be life, to be love. Help us to love the way you love, with no conditions, no expectations, no obligations, without any judgment. Help us to love and accept ourselves without any judgment. Because when we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty and we need to be punished. Help us to love everything you create unconditionally, especially other human beings, especially those who live around us, all our relatives, all people whom we try so hard to love. Because when we reject them, we reject ourselves. And when we reject ourselves, we reject you. Help us to love others just the way they are with no conditions. Help us to accept them the way they are without judgment because if we judge them, we find them guilty, we blame them, and we have the need to punish them. Today, clean our hearts of any emotional poison that we have, 
free our minds from any judgment so that we can live in complete peace and complete love. Today is a very special day. Today we open our hearts to love again so that we can teach each other I love you without any fear, so that we can tell each other I love you without any fear and really mean it. Today we offer ourselves to you. Come to us. Use our voices, use our eyes, use our hands, and use our hearts to share ourselves in the communion of love with everyone. Today, Creator, help us to be just like you are. Thank you for everything that we receive this day, especially for the freedom to be who we are, who we really are. Amen. A prayer for love. We are going to share a beautiful dream together, a dream that you will love to have all the time. And in this dream, you are in the middle of a beautiful, warm, sunny day. You hear the birds, the wind, and a little river. You walk towards the river, the river. And at the end of the river is an old man in meditation. And you see that out of his head comes a beautiful light of different colors. You try not to bother him, but he notices your presence and opens his eyes. He has the kind of eyes that are full of love and a big smile, and you ask him, how is he able to read all of that beautiful light? You ask him if he can touch, teach you to do what he is doing, and he replies that many, many years ago, he asked the same question of his teacher, and the old man begins to tell you his story. My teacher opened his chest and took out his chest, out of his chest, and he took a beautiful flame from his heart. And then he opened my chest and opened my heart, and he put that little flame inside it. He put my heart back into my chest, and as soon as my heart was inside me, I felt intense love. Because the flame he put into my heart was his own love. And that flame grew in my heart and became a a big, big fire, a fire that doesn't burn but purifies everything that it touches. And that fire touched each one of the cells of my body, and the cells of my body loved me back. And I became one with my body, but my love grew even more. And that fire reached everyone and every emotion of of my mind. And all the emotions transformed into a strong and intense love. And I loved myself completely and unconditionally. But the fire kept burning, and I had the need to share my love. I decided to put a, a little piece of my love in every tree And the trees loved me back, and I became one with the trees. But my love did not stop, and it grew more. And I put a a piece of love in every flower, in the grass, in the earth, and they loved me back. And we became one. And my love grew more and more to love every animal in the world. And they responded to my love, and they loved me back. And we became one. And my love kept growing and growing. And I put a piece of my love in every crystal, in every stone in the ground, in the dirt, and the metals, and they loved me back. And I became one with the earth. And then I decided to put my love in the water, in the oceans, in the rivers, in the rain, in, in the snow, and they loved me back, and we became one. And still my love grew more and more, and I decided to give my love to the air and the wind, and I felt strong communion with the earth, with the wind, with the oceans, and with nature, and my love grew and grew. And I turned my head to the sky and to the sun and to the stars and a little piece of my love in every star and every moon and in the moon and the sun. And they loved me back. And I became one with the moon and the sun and the stars. And my love kept growing and growing. And I put a little piece of my love in every human 
and I became one with the whole of humanity. Wherever I go, whomever I meet, I see myself in their eyes because I am part of everything because I love. And then the old man opened his own chest and takes out his heart and with that beautiful flame inside and he puts that flame in your heart. And now that love is growing inside you. Now you are one with the wind and the water, with the stars and with all nature and all the animals and all humans. You feel the heat and the light emanating from the flame in your heart. Out of your head shines a beautiful light of different colors. You are radiant with the glow of love, and you pray. Thank you, creator of the universe, for the gift of life you have given me. Thank you for giving me everything that I truly needed. I thank you for the opportunity to experience this beautiful body and this beautiful mind. Thank you for living inside me with all your love, with your pure and boundless spirit, with your warm and radiant life. Thank you for using my words, for using my eyes, for using my heart to share your love wherever I go. I love you just the way you are. And because I am your creation, I love myself just the way I am. Help me to keep the love and the peace in my heart and to make that love a new way of life that I may live and love the rest of my life. Amen. And so I thank all of you for listening this evening and uh, sharing your thoughts. And I look forward to uh, continuing uh, this journey on grassroots holistic health. Thank you, honey, for sharing your time and being on board with I'm so, glad to be here. Thank you. This was a beautiful show. That, yes. that final prayer can be summed up as we are all connected. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I forgot to mention at the, uh, the section of the healing and, and having a healthy lifestyle that uh, I, uh, my wife and I both drink a juice called Fruit of Vida which can be uh, purchased on my site. Actually, we're giving it away, right? We're, we're offering a free bottle, uh, we being uh, those of us who are a representative of this company named Pro, ProImage.com. Uh, and uh, the website you can go to to get a free 32-ounce bottle. You just have to pay for the shipping and handling, and that's at www.TryFruitOfVita.com dot com forward slash four five five two two. And this is a juice that I've been drinking for going on six years now and it, I use it during my training and and uh, indeed when I ran the marathon, the New York Marathon this past November two thousand and ten, uh it was able to assist me with uh uh energy before I ran and during the run of the marathon and of course uh being able to recover very quickly. It took me about maybe a couple of days before I was able to uh, really feel and energized. So uh, I want to thank you so much. I thank uh, Shaman Don Miguel Ruiz uh, for sharing uh, his wisdom in, in writing the book, The Four Agreements, as uh, has been shared through the uh, his uh, community of the Toltec uh, Book of Wisdom. And indeed, it has assisted me. I've written, I've read this book. This is going on my fourth time of reading it, and every time I read it, I gather something new from it. And indeed, 
my reading it uh, during the show for the last uh, few weeks as it's uh, incorporated a whole other understanding of sensitivity and, and, and awareness in terms of the jewels of, of wisdom that's contained in this book. So uh, I want to thank again all of you for uh, sharing your Saturday evening with us. And we look forward to coming again next Saturday. And, of course, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, my wife's spirit uh, change has her show, uh, which will be coming on. So I send you blessings, and I, I end as I begin by uh, giving praise to the Most High for allowing this show to take place. I thank uh, my ancestors. I send blessings and love and respect to my elders, to my mother-in-law, to my siblings, to my friends, and I thank my lovely wife, Spirit Change, for uh, being here in our studio as co-hosts. So I look forward to you returning with us again next week, and uh, peace and love. Namaste. Alafiyah.